Hey Che, um, sorry if I sounded like Mr. Complaining Pants in my uh, previous message. I was only calling in to say that uh, I was enjoying the wilderness travel aspect of the game. And uh, yeah, just to reassure you, I am enjoying the game. And if that didn't come across in my previous message, then let's just put that down to sleep deprivation, shall we? Anyway, hope you're doing all right. Take care. Welcome to the Game Master's Journal. I'm Che Webster, and these are my audio notes, recorded here and there between my gaming sessions. Assembled into a rough edit, these notes form a raw and rough journal, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. You have been warned. So, new week, new month. Welcome to September, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to GM's Journal. Now, I'm starting this off a little bit differently today because I've had an enormous amount of call-ins around the subject of sleep and modelling loss of sleep in role-playing games. So, well, I thought I'd better do a bit of a spike pit and gather them together and kind of talk you through them because it's really very interesting. Now, for those who weren't tuning in earlier, um, I'd mentioned that I have the belief and I kind of still hold it, I have the belief that in a role-playing game, if your characters are travelling across the wilderness and they're not getting a good night's sleep, and by that I mean a good sort of eight hours or so of sleep, they should in some way suffer some kind of penalty the following day. This caused outrage. And, yeah, well, I'll let these calls speak for themselves. Here's the first batch. H.A. Jason here, just listen to the first seven minutes of your latest GM journal about the wilderness with the call-ins from me and Spencer. And um, I just said, maybe think about it differently. Um, you're not wrong that sleep deprivation is bad, but the truth is most of the world works on sleep, sleep-deprived. Most of us don't get eight hours sleep. So maybe you give a bonus for the people that have gotten eight hours sleep, you know, Maybe make it because even if you look in his, you know, back a little bit, you know, scholars and people in school and all typically work on low sleep. So maybe in, you know, there are tons of people who have gotten high degrees with, you know, a couple hours sleep a night working their way through school. So maybe just give a bonus if somebody does get that full night of sleep, since the standard, the norm is less than eight hours as opposed to that being the norm. Just thought. Hey there, Shay. It's Joe, man. Uh, that was another fantastic GM journals. I just love those, and I really appreciate all the hard work you put in on them. I did want to call and push back a little bit about the whole seven to nine hours of sleep thing. I worked in the restaurant industry for over 20 years, and I didn't know a single person that whole time that got anywhere near seven to nine hours of sleep, and they all functioned perfectly normally and effectively. Well, you know, as normal as people that work in restaurants tend to be, which can be pretty goddamn far from normal. But yeah, man, I think that seven to nine hours of sleep being necessary is a more modern conceit. And I don't know that people, you know, back in the day were sleeping for that long. So I don't know, maybe it's opposite. Maybe they slept more now. Anyway, peace out. Hey, Shay, I'm on a roll here. 
Shandy Andy again. Um, thought I'd comment a bit on the conversation you were having with Spencer about uh, lack of night's sleep. Um, I'm again not convinced it has a major impact missing one night's sleep. Um, certainly haven't got two kids. Um, I've gone like four or five years in a row where, quite frankly, at least 50% of my nights have been interrupted by sleep of some degree uh, and my job also I work in the software industry requires that I sometimes work 24 hours solid close to deadlines and I don't think it has a noticeable sort of effect on my work it might do for an hour or two in the middle of the day where I get a bit tired but then you sort of pick up again and so there you have it the first three voices in this discussion Thanks very much to Jason and to Joe and to Shandy Andy for calling in. And it seems they've added their voices to that of Spencer, who in the last episode kind of made a similar point to Andy. It seems that the view is that a lot of people in this world are wandering around and they are not getting very much sleep. And that's pretty normal. And I have to say, that scares me. The thought that there are so many people wandering around in a sort of zombie, half-awake state, and they think that everything is okay. I'm not convinced, fellas, I'm really not. And then, you know, well, there's something interesting that happened, because both Jason and Shandy Andy had something further to say. Hey, Shay, Jason here. So for the second time... In a couple weeks, I managed to spill my convenience store coffee when I'm getting it or walking out of the store. So there might be something to your thing about not getting enough sleep because I don't get enough sleep at nights, well, or during the days when I'm working nights. So subtracting from stats may be valid. I still think that the average person doesn't get enough sleep, so the average stats are showing somebody without enough sleep and that if somebody gets more sleep, they should get a bonus. And again, I point you to people in school, you know, university and whatnot that don't get much sleep and still do good on exams. But anyway, just thought. Talk to you later. Bye. However, I do agree that more than one or two nights, once you've started to have in it, um, your sleep interrupted, then that begins to have an impact. I mean, I've worked sort of 48 hours straight on one particular deadline, and by the end of that, I was basically having to tell my minion at the time exactly what I was about to do before I did it uh, so that he could check everything that I was about to do because although the knowledge was there up in the brain it wasn't um, sort of processing the consequences all of the time. So yeah I think you can get away with one night but more than that yeah you need to start to implement some type of uh, deficit for the players. Starting to qualify our comments, are we, gentlemen? <laughs> okay, I'm teasing. Um, and to be fair to Shandy Andy especially, who did send me two messages together, you know, one leading to the other, and I've deliberately separated them to emphasise the point. Um, actually, guys, this point of when you start to notice and think about the impact that losing sleep is having on you, then you start to maybe wonder if, it is actually such a healthy thing. And 
I don't know, I came to this conclusion a while ago. I've, as I said, I've read a lot about sleep and I've working with kids and being very aware of the impact that a loss of night sleep has on a kid who needs not eight, but 10 hours. You know, we are really seriously starting to like underestimate, I think, the impact of sleep on the human body. But hey, don't just take it from me. Look, I know a guy. He works at a university. I think it's down London Way, something like that. It's time to hear from none other than Professor Perse himself. The one and only, the amazing Dave Aldridge. Hey, Che, you don't need to play this on the show if you don't want to. Just pitching in on sleep, lack of sleep. There's nothing controversial, really, I don't think, in what you said. I think the science does bear it up. Part of my job is calling out misconceptions and bad neuroscience, and I don't think that's one of them, really. Of course, everybody's an outlier, so so you're always going to hear from outliers who do absolutely fine on very little sleep. I'm not one of them. <laughs> Problem is, if I, if I resolve to have an early night, I'll then just sit and things go around in my head. Um, but yeah, everyone's an outlier, but I think the, the, the science is pretty well established on that one. Anyway, enjoying the show as usual. I'll catch you soon, Che. I'm going to clarify my use of a pet expression there. I often say everyone's an outlier. Of course, what that means is everyone you end up talking to turns out to be an outlier. Of course, not everyone's an outlier because that's not what outliers are. (laughs) Sometimes that's worth saying. I use that as a throwaway expression. That's what I mean by it. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. I really, really appreciate you calling in and saying that because you know what? I was starting to wonder whether it was just me. But hey... The science is well established. And yeah, I just personally, you know, this is kind of similar to Colin's spike pit kind of thing about flaming oil or whatever. I I personally like a little bit of verisimilitude and I really like the idea that we should pay attention to a few of the truths of our rich human experience. And I have to say, I'm kind of going to stick with when you're in the wilderness, there's some kind of penalty. And maybe my approach is a bit clumsy, and maybe there's a lot to be said for Jason's more positive approach. I don't know. Personally, I'm playing GURPS, and that means there's already a system there for that. If you read the rules, you kind of look at there, and you find out that characters lose fatigue points, and if they lose too many, they end up having to sleep. <laughs> they kind of pass out. And it really does have an impact on their ability to perform long-term within an adventure, and it's good enough for me. I don't know. What do you all think? Has anyone else got a view on this? Because, okay, we've already established that there's sort of three positions. There's definitely not liking the idea of sleep deprivation affecting my character. There's, I like sleep deprivation, but only after we've lost maybe a day or so's sleep. And then there's the, actually, can we go with the neuroscience? Because sleep, that really, really impacts your life. Let me know what you think. Go on, call in. Or have we done it to death? I don't know, you tell me. But thanks to everybody who's called in. Jason, Joe, Shandy Andy, Dave Aldridge, and of course the man who started it all himself, Spencer from Keep Off The Board Lens. Right then, it's Sunday the 1st of September. Having listened to my mewling complaints and general whinging going on in my GM's journal for the last couple of weeks, 
I guess listeners would be quite happy to know that I have a plan. In short, a few ideas have been bubbling away in my mind over the last week or so. I think I spoke about it a little bit in my last episode. And so today I've decided to sit down and do something about it. By the way, one of the great um, ironies I find of having a holiday is that during the time I'm on holiday, even though I have the most time available to me, that's precisely when I feel the least inspired and the least like I want to do it. It's almost for me as if I need to have an actual group or an actual deadline in which to drive my activity. That aside, here I am the day before I go back to school with a plan. Here's the outline of the idea. What I want to do is create some low points templates for beginning characters using GURPS Lite. These will be broadly fantasy inspired. Then I want to create some upgrade lens templates um, which add in information from basic set. So for those who don't play GURPS, a template is a, a kind of guide to creating a character, helps focus someone on the character, but it's not a rule, it's not something you have to use. That being said, it's very advisable for new players to use one. And a lens is, if you like, an addition, uh, something that helps to focus that particular template in a particular direction. Now, what I want to do is use a really old idea from a past uh, fail campaign um, and bring it in. So the third step is I want to create a dungeon adventure where fundamentally the goal is to choose an upgrade and kind of receive that power upgrade through the choice of a lens for your template. Now what I'm doing here is I'm going to take a really old idea from, I think I've failed to bring this to fruition twice before as an idea, but I still like the idea. So many years ago I came up with this idea of soul shards. The concept was that basically when a great hero from history died, part of their soul, their soul departs at death, but a part of their soul, a part of their heroic energy, resides and remains within the world. And originally the concept was that I was going to have a campaign where people died um, in sort of the real world, our world, and then they were offered the opportunity to return to life in an alternate world and take up the mantle of a great hero from that world and to recover their soul shards. So the original concept was that you would have a quite basic human character who had died. That character would be reborn into the world and then go on a quest for the soul shards. And the idea was that group had a sequence of these to refine and rediscover and, and recover. So I guess what would happen is that if the first person to sort of get their soul shard and, and take that choice would upgrade and become a tougher character but the others would slowly and steadily sort of go on their own quests and recover their own power as well that was the idea i want to do something similar in this i was minded yesterday of skyrim where there's a bit when you first start the game you kind of get out of the town with the dragon and you come down this pathway and there are four i think different pillars on this pathway and you don't, can choose to ignore them, but if you ex explore them, they all bear a sign of different, for want of a better term, a bit of a different kind of archetype. I think there's a thief, a mage, a warrior, 
and a sort of a cleric priesty type archetype. And I'm thinking essentially that it would be good to have a dungeon where the characters get to uh, the sort of end, if you like, and then each chooses which of those archetypes they wish to to embody. Um, and this allows for some interesting stuff because the cap players can choose some templates to start with, uh, a character style that they, they like the idea of, and then later they get to choose which lens to combine that with. And obviously there are different combinations possible. And then from there they have a unique character who can go out into the campaign world. Now on top of all of this, I'm wanting to do this, I'm thinking of this as a school thing, and I'm wanting to do this as a kind of more open table approach. So where I'm going after this is a little vague in my head, but I'm thinking of running a campaign, an open table campaign, where I use a lot of procedural generation um, to provide support for me as GM. I'm thinking, for example, of maybe digging out the Hexonomicon, uh, which was a Kickstart I, I supported a while ago, which essentially procedurally generates uh, hex maps. I'm thinking of stealing ideas from places perhaps like Black Hack um, and other similar kind of sources, plus some of the resources that were in, in the labyrinth for the fantasy trip, and bring those together into something fresh for my own game. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm just sort of fingers crossed hoping that maybe next coming Friday, if I can get this initial game off the ground, um, if I can do it quick enough, I might have time to test it on Friday next week with my home group prior to sort of deploying it at school, that initial adventure anyway. So today, templates. I want to provide uh, a small selection of low points templates for beginner characters using Gert's Light. Let's get started. Hey, Jason again. I guess I need to listen to the whole episode before I call in. So as far as feeling like you don't fit in, I think we all feel that sometimes. Last year I was playing with a group, excellent group. I'm not saying anything bad against them. We started playing ICRPG, and then we played some other games. We played Barbarians of Lemuria, which I really love. Um, played some Savage Worlds. And then they started getting more into narrative games. And, um, you, you know, I... I I'm okay with rules light, Barbarians of Lemuria, maybe a little Rysus here and there, but, you know, really, really loosey-goosey narrative games are okay, but they're not really games to me, they're more storytelling sessions, so, you know, I can see that, so there are times I don't feel like I fit in either, but don't feel that you have to be OD&D only to be, you know, fit in with OSR folks or fit in with whoever. I think the OSR is a lot more inclusive than that, a lot bigger than that. You know, most of us, you know, we wouldn't say that Savage Worlds is OSR, but I think a lot of us still play games like Savage Worlds and GURPS and all these other things, you know. So I, I wouldn't let that get you down, really. Um, maybe change up which podcast you listen to. I don't know. But we'll talk to you later. Take it easy. Bye. Okay, a couple of hours well spent, I think. Um, probably about two and a half hours or so to create two 75-point templates. What I've done is created the Protector and the Explorer templates using nothing more than GURPS Light. I have consulted the third edition books, Warriors and Rogues, so far. I also have Wizards on hand. Um, 
the idea being that I get a sense of the sorts of things I should probably include. But basically, I'm trying to distill a reasonable sort of template, uh, something that kind of gives a bit of flavour and a bit of direction, um, but only using the GURPS like rules and a relatively limited number of points. It's been okay, actually. I've been pretty okay with getting my head around that. So there are oh, another five I'd like to do, I guess. My little list here includes the negotiator, the wilder, the investigator, the sneak, and the archer. So I'm hoping I can kind of create those templates. I'm going for seven because it's an optimum choice range. Plus it gives a good range of different kind of specialisms. And at the moment, I'm just toying with the idea of fighter, wizard, thief, cleric lenses, uh, which all I'm going to do is take one of those templates and add some powers to it, uh, a little bit more crunch to it later on. But these are going to be discovered in play and then deployed uh, at the end of the adventure, really. So, yeah, it's coming along. I'm liking the idea. And the idea of the, the dungeon is also sort of to form in my mind this thing called the arena. And the idea is that the players will be told that they are being reborn into a body um, and they are to choose um, the archetype that they would like to take upon in the world. At the moment I've got the protector who is very much concerned with just that, protecting the innocent, ridding the world of bad stuff, putting things back to order. Um, and the explorer, who basically is compulsively wanting to find out what's around the next corner. And uh, they're very different characters. Uh, obviously, the protector's quite martial, very martial, and the, the explorer, sorry, really isn't. And probably neither will the negotiator be. In my head, the wilder is going to be that sort of barbaric warrior type and a little bit of a wilderness survivalist. The investigator will be uh, the sort of poke around indoors expert the sneak will be uh, pretty obvious or as bought <laughs> super stealthy um, and the archer will introduce uh, a warrior who can shoot at distance as a kind of key skill so yeah that's where we're up to game on hey up shay shandy andy here yeah great session on friday really enjoyed it boosted my confidence uh, playing the GURPS combat system with me. I think it's just really a nervousness about grasping all the rules and not wanting to sort of slow things down when we're at the table because I'm just struggling to get my head around some new concepts and new rules and stuff. But yeah, it's all very promising, really enjoying it and think I'm going to enjoy the uh, combating GURPS. Uh, very similar to RuneQuest Glorantha for me anyway, which, as you know, I like very much. So cheers for that, uh, and hopefully get something together this Friday, as you say, uh, with the other guys maybe, if we can get uh, the group of us together and try a few mock battles, I think that would be excellent. Ooh, and the other thing, Shay, thought I ought to mention, I assume you'll put in some sort of spoiler alert in your GM's journal for us players, if there's something you really don't want us to listen to, or, uh, you know, have a word when we're there on Friday and sort of say, look guys, I'm going to be doing something next week. Give it a few weeks or something before you listen to it. Because uh, I, I don't, certainly don't want to spoil any surprises you've got for us. Cheers, mate. 
Um, yeah, uh, guys, there are spoilers in the GM Journal episodes. If you play in any of my games, you probably want to be cautious about listening to GM's Journal. That being said, I tend to leave stuff out if I think it's going to get in the way of a game and sort of drop it into a much later episode. So, yeah, Andy, to be honest with you, you're fine. I uh, I can't promise, though, because sometimes what is a complete spoiler to someone else actually, in my mind, is invisible because I know everything and sometimes it's very hard to figure out what exactly is giving something away and what isn't. So... I don't know. There's no easy answer to this, is there, really? But you keep listening and, and don't worry about it too much. And um, if there's something I think is dreadful, I'll put in a big alarm somewhere. Well, it's Monday night. I just got home from work a little while ago. Uh, first day back at school for the new year. I'm shattered. <laughs> and I just spent a goodly while just catching up on a couple of tasks I needed to do to finish off the day. Uh, but a couple of good things. D&D Essentials just arrived. I've not had a chance to look at it or even take off the shrink wrap yet, but I wanted to say it arrived in the UK. And I'm kind of looking forward to shifting through that. And that's making me rethink my whole approach to how, when and if I do some more school club stuff. Um, I did a lot of work yesterday on kind of trying to get my head around um, introing GURPS. And as I talked about the GURPS light stuff, and I'm kind of thinking, ooh, is this a mistake? Should I shelve it? I kind of want to focus very much on my campaign that I've got upcoming. And the third thing was the guys are asking, well, two of the guys, Andy and Dave, are asking to meet on Friday. Um, Dave needs to sort out a character for the campaign. And Andy, um, I think, is keen to sort of, you know, gain come around, have a chat, and get our head around the how the game plays together as a group. Not heard about from my third player at all. Um, but, you know, it's good that the guys are keen. I'm basically <laughs> taking the approach of not pursuing my players because I've noticed that when I pursue them, they're much more likely to be flaky. And if I basically don't pursue them, they tend to pursue me. And uh, I don't know why that is, I don't know what that's about, and I guess I've let the cat out of the bag because I know at least Andy's going to hear this, but hey, I just feel like if the guys want to play, they'll tell me. And um, yeah, that's cool by me. Anyway, survived day one. Let's see what we can do this week. Okay, last thought. I don't know if Steve Jackson Games has it out for you because you're not American. Um, I think it's more the idea that they don't want to be, they're darned if they do, darned if they don't. You know, if they offer shipping, then people complain the shipping costs too high. So by offering printer demand, you know, at least they're giving you a way to get the printed product. I know that's not exactly what you want, and maybe they should offer the shipping even if nobody takes them up on it, but at least offer it. But that's probably what they were looking at is, I mean, go through Kickstarter, look through the comments for almost any Kickstarter with international shipping, and there are tons of complaints about the shipping costs. So that's probably where their head's at. Again, I'm not apologizing for them, but I just thought I'd throw that point of view in there. So talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, I got a hanker in for a mega dungeon as well. For my birthday, I got hold of an A1 five millimeter square pad 
just about fits on the table. Nowhere to store it. Wasn't cheap. <laughs> but my aim is sheet by sheet. I'm going to randomly roll the shapes. But sheet by sheet, I'm just going to fill that with ink. And I know that if I ever put one of those up on the wall, then my son's won't be able to resist it they'll be like what's that can we play in that um, so i struggle a bit sometimes to to sustain their attention for gaming but i reckon with a big massive of course it doesn't all have to be on one sheet but that's 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 what i reckon might capture their imagination so i've got maybe for october when the anchorites celebrate arneson um i'll talk a bit more about that but i've definitely think it's time for a mega dungeon It's 6am on Thursday morning and this is probably the first time I've had a real chance to sit down and do any sort of thought about hobby this week. Um, I went back to school on Monday and it has been, oh my goodness, a bit of a mare of a week really. It's been so busy and so intense. And of course nobody wants to sit here and listen to me whinge about my job. I love my job. However, I will say it is a very intense thing to work in education, um, especially in secondary school in current era. Uh, you, we are truly, truly um, stretched as a profession through you know, various budget cuts and changes and all the other things that have been going on in the last 10 or so years. Anyway, putting aside the vague political tone of that statement, here I am sitting down to game and it's not like I'm going to do a lot. I've got about maybe 20 minutes or so to sit and, you know, catch my breath before the day begins. I always like to take my hobby if I can. So, yeah, I've just been thinking. Yesterday I received a couple of things in the post, which were really cool. I received the Call of Cthulhu Berlin, the Wicked City book. I'm not entirely sure why I bought it. Oh, that's not true, really. I guess I know why I bought I mean, I have a deep affinity for Germany. As a forces lad born in Munster in Germany, or West Germany as it was back in 1971, I have a strong affinity for the German culture. And Deb and I have been on holiday there recently, and we went to Berlin. And I guess I was just really curious to sort of connect the experience I'd had in Berlin with the uh, fiction that is being suggested and Call of Cthulhu has also recently caught my attention because regular listeners will be aware that I, I got the starter set which is by the way very good and our group actually played two of the adventures from the starter set uh, in the interim and in the sort of uh, end of a school term last year as we went into the summer before we kind of prorogued ourselves until September. Um, and I've been really enjoying Call of Cthulhu as well, and I think I would very much like to play more of that game. I, uh, I actually think I'd quite like to run more of those games, and um, that's something I, I feel like I just want to keep my hand in now. <laughs> that being said, I also received my copy of Card Deck, of Tarot Deck, um, this is the Portal Tarot by Nathan Rockwood, and um, this was a Kickstarter a few months ago. Essentially, it's a fantasy-themed tarot deck, and I have always had a great affinity for tarot. I love the decks, and I love the imagery, and being quite Jungian in my psychology, I also love the significance of 
of them, to me at least. But Nathan had put together a deck which I think is intended to be a sort of inspirational thing for gaming. Now, I have to be honest, I, I tend to support some people just because I love their stuff, and Nathan is one of those people. If I can afford it, I will usually back him. He's the guy who's behind the GM Apprentice decks, which are phenomenally good and useful. And I, I always feel like this guy has interesting ideas, and so I like to support them. And yeah, I received those decks um, yesterday, and I think that's what I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes doing, is just have a look at those decks and cards, because it'll probably inspire me a little bit. So those are the things that I've sort of received in the last few days. I want to say that um, I'm going to put this out there because I think it probably is helpful to say it. I feel I need to slow down my buying and um, I've been telling myself this for a couple of months now. And I think I have slowed it a little. <laughs> There's obviously a lot of massive backlog of Kickstarters and other things that I've supported. But yeah, I need to slow it down. I partly need to save the money. Um, things are getting tighter here. Um, partly because of the uncertainty around both my wife and I's work and also because of the uncertainty around Brexit. And um, we want to be a bit more cautious. So there's that. But there's also this, I don't really need a lot of the stuff that I buy and all of it is impulse buys of things I'm interested in or that catch my attention. And so I think I'm going to try and focus a lot more on only the things I feel I need for my game and... Um, and try and be a little bit more disciplined. So obviously, I'm probably going to need a little bit of help with that from the community. So as I, you know, <laughs> as I kind of tend to report on my my purchases and things that come, and I tend to do unboxings and things, it might be worth occasionally asking me, you know, how are you doing with that? Have you managed to go another week without buying anything? Um, so yeah. <laughs> I feel quite embarrassed in saying it, to be honest, but there we go. Right, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to go and look at those cards. And uh, whew, and tonight, I have to look forward to tonight and get my head around what we're going to do because it looks like Friday I might have a couple of games around. Um, looks like Shandy Andy might pop around again. And it could have Dave too, which would be fantastic. Hey, this is Jason here. Just want to give you one last thought. On the personal introspective podcasts, the Random Screes, Collins Drive-Bys, Your GM Journals, I think there's great there's great value there. I really enjoy listening to them. They help me think out things. You know, they get my, the wheels turning in my head, and I think about some of those issues. And I feel the same kind of doubts, you know, and sometimes loneliness and whatnot that you guys mention in those podcasts. So I don't you know, I think there is great value in that, in sharing that. And, and you should know you're not alone in some of those thoughts. And, and I hope you do continue them. So take it easy. We are a community. And if we don't reach out and talk to each other and let each other know when we're down, we can't pick each other up. So keep it up. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Friday morning. Bright and early. Eight, uh, six o'clock. <laughs> um... Had a really nice thing happen yesterday, just at the real end of the day, uh, as the school was kind of letting out, um, I had one of the students come and find me, um, and yeah, the question was kind of an interesting one really from my perspective. The question was, hey sir, I'm putting together a 
fantasy campaign using GURPS Lite with my friends, just uh, my friends. And I wanted to know, he wanted to know like what to use for equipment costs. Because GURPS Lite has like a few weapons and armor and bits. But basically what it says is the GM should kind of just kind of make up some values for costs and things like that. And the answer to that I suggested was because I know he has Dungeons and Dragons um, was use the price list from D&D because gold and silver and copper and everything is pretty abstract. So, you know, that will work and it's a working economic system for you. I know that there's a far better economic system within um, GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, but that would require him to spend money um, and buy PDFs, which is, you know, more difficult for young kids. So, and unnecessary in this case. Now, here's what's interesting. To, and of course, he went away happy, which is fine. And uh, yeah, cheers, sir. Brilliant. Fantastic. What a great idea. Off he goes. Now, there's two things that make this really fascinating for me. Because one is, this is a guy who, I don't know, about two or so years ago, started coming to the club. And his first experience of role-playing was probably either Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition or GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, um, or more precisely, actually, when I think about it, the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game. He's played a few other things. His his friends um, are kind of split away from gaming with with me uh, and being run through games. Uh, this guy's become a GM. He's run at least two, maybe three games that I know of. Um, they're all generally short-lived, but he's played through stuff. They were playing 5e last time I, I spoke to them. And here he is. He's setting up a campaign for his mates. So the first thing that's interesting to me is it's proof and evidence that the school club has birthed another group of gamers who are gaming in their spare time, taking out the stress of everything at school, having a bit of a laugh. An independent GM has been born. Hooray, I feel good about that. That's a really amazing thing when that happens. And it seems that every every year or two I get one or two people who who go and do that, which is fab. Second thing that's interesting to me though is that he's chosen GURPS and specifically to use GURPS Lite, which is obviously free rather than 5th edition, because they were quite rapidly into 5th edition. And I know that they really enjoyed when they played GURPS, but they it was a kind of like it's more crunchy. But they did like the combat system. What they specifically liked, if I remember correctly, was the defense role. So, you know, in D&D, you just make an attack roll against the target's um, armor class, you beat their armor class equal or beat their armor class, you hit them and you roll damage. In GURPS, you rake a skill roll against your weapon and if you equal to or less than the target number you hit. Um, and then they get to make a defense roll, which is usually a, a, a lower chance, but again against their own skill, whether it be... So if it's a dodge, it's a sort of default dodge roll. If it's a parry with a weapon, then they use the weapon skill, half plus three. And if it's a block like with a shield or a cloak, then they use the shield or cloak skill, halved plus three. And the shields themselves can add a bonus to their block, parry and dodge, which is kind of a cool thing. And it's that little mechanic of roll to roll to hit, they roll to defend. What there happens there is that, before you get a damage roll, is that you get a um, sort of ongoing to and fro 
engagement from both players or both sides of a fight. And these guys seem to enjoy that when we played before. So it's kind of interesting. What's also interesting is he's the only one, I think, of his friendship group playing. I don't know exactly who's playing, but my guess is he's the only one who played it. And again, it's interesting that it's the GM's taste that uh, kind of drives what they play. It was just interesting to me, and it felt serendipitous because, of course, I've switched to GURPS recently, and quite independently, it seems, these guys have switched as well, which is really interesting to me. Hmm. Anyway, I have a game tonight, or at least I have a session tonight, more precisely. Andy, Shandy Andy of um, Unguarded Treasure fame is coming over, and our friend Dave, who... He's been a sort of a hit-and-miss attendee for a long while, but whom I really, really enjoy my gaming with. He's going to come over. I think the primary plan is Dave wanted to work on his character for our forthcoming campaign. And uh, the secondary sort of thing was that we wanted to, and I know Andy's quite keen to, wanted to sort of have a go again at some combat situations and um, kind of get back a little deeper into how that all works and practice those that stuff. My thought tonight was sorting out Dave's character and maybe running a short um, dungeon for them so they can sort of test out their characters in a more rounded way. I'm thinking of doing a typical kind of five room dungeon. So what I might, might think I might do is grab the dungeon that I used at the school club uh, two years ago now when I was asked to run uh, a game in an hour <laughs> and if you remember if you go all the way back to season one you'll hear about this uh, and i used bx um for the first time in many many years and that will kind of kicked off the whole of this entire show really i think i'm gonna go back to that dungeon um if i'm called upon tomorrow i'm oh, sorry tonight and uh just kind of on the fly converted across so i'll see how that goes by the way talking about prep you know really is minimal prep for me but it has to be I came home last night the first night I've come home from work on time sort of vaguely normal time um, and here's the story of the working man and the working woman um, 7.30 I'm asleep on a sofa and uh, sort of dragged myself upstairs at 8 o'clock to bed and just crashed out completely that's what happens to me uh, quite often um, after an intense day at work and it's been an intense week it's good it's positive but it's intense and uh yeah when you've got a game night at the end of the week i can well understand i don't think you can well understand why people bail i have done in the past i'm def desperately 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 trying not to do that but i will be shattered tonight so we'll see how it goes anyway enough waffle from me time to get to work i guess So Friday night, it's gone, it's gone off 10. Andy and Dave came over tonight, it was great. Uh, Dave has built his uh, character for our forthcoming campaign. So he used the Squire template from Henchman uh, DF15 and has built a kind of a bit of a tank, really, a mercenary uh, guard type character who's very heavily armoured. And having built that, um, we then put him and Andy's characters, uh, the Archer, uh, in the arena against four goblins, two with bows, two with long knives and shields. 
and herein we discovered that the goblins could pretty much not very much hurt the uh the tank the mercenary uh it took some serious uh <laughs> effort to get through his armor uh and get around his armor really so we were bowmen aiming for neck shots and all sorts of shenanigans going on um, and Andy's archer throwing javelin, or using the sling at first and then choosing to opt for um, javelins because that was quicker to sort of ready and fight with effective, really accurate uh, when he aimed and stuff, it was really really good but he um, just kept missing which I guess was slightly frustrating for him, that being said he was drawing the bow fire and uh, keeping the goblins occupied while Dave pretty much went around, knocked two of the goblins into the pits that are in the arena, sort of, you know, shield barged them into the pits and knocked them out. They effectively were out of the fight because they couldn't really climb out. And uh, killing one and then um, finally tracking down and badly injuring and putting unconscious the last guy, bringing the duel to an end or the pit fight to an end. So it's great. It's good fun. I think they had a good time. I think they got their heads around how fighting works again sort of you know building up that experience with that really which is really good and we're set for three weeks time so i think it's the 27th of september we have in the diary where andy and dave can both make it and i really sincerely hope ian will too i believe ian is planning to come over next friday to see us um the other guys can't make that but i guess that gives me an opportunity to uh, have a bit of one-to-one -one time with him and possibly run his character through a little bit of a practice fight too so that'd be great all in all i'm really enjoying playing gurps uh, really really am enjoying playing it and we are still learning and there's a few things we kind of have to look up here and there but yeah it's cool um getting really getting into it um the more we play the more it grows on me actually so there you go game on That's it for another episode. All that's left to wish you is a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Chet Webster and this has been a Roleplay Rescue Game Master's Journal episode. See you again next week. Game on. Game on.